the official mount and dismount for all riding conditions. Translation, getting on and off your bike, no matter the terrain. And yes, you could easily say, well, that seems very simple, but hold on just a second. How do you get off on a steep incline, facing upwards? Or maybe what's the correct method for getting on and off with a pillion? Do you get on first and get off first, or do they? And what about when you're on that dirt hill? Which way do you turn the handlebars? Well, today on our exclusive Rider Skills segment, we've got Clinton Smout back again to lay things out for us. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Graham Field. Dustin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed Marks. Glenn Hitstead. Dave Barr. Michelle Lanfear. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schwartz. Zoe Cano. Nathan Millward. Charlie Borman. Joe Ross. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. I'm Carol DeBell, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com. Today we have another of our Adventure Rider Radio's Rider Skills segments. Rider Skills is an exclusive program that we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off-road. Now, of course, these segments are not meant to be a substitute for professional training. They're ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. Now, we're lucky to have some of the top rider trainers in the world on this program. Trainers that have spent untold hours training, riding, learning, testing, developing ways to be more efficient in the way they ride, to to build their skills, and also to learn how to teach people in ways that make these skills easier to understand. So we benefit from their hard work by listening to what they have to say uh, on the show. We're very grateful for that. How to get on and off your motorcycle, it seems simple enough, almost, actually almost so simple that you could be, you could discount this as a silly topic, yet um, getting on and off the bike can be difficult, whether you're loaded, you have a pillion, a top box, a roll bag, a tall bike, or whether you're, you're um, uh, on a hill facing upwards or, or down or sideways or on an even ground. I mean, there's, all, there's plenty of times when getting on and off of the bike is difficult. And how many times have you seen someone fall while they're dismounting or mounting their bike? I mean, it's one of those sort of, a, um, I guess, innocuous things that happen to people, but it, it can be a pain in the butt, it can be embarrassing, and it certainly doesn't have to happen. So getting a better handle on this topic can make you a more confident rider and give you better control over your bike. What we have today is, or who we have today, rather, is Clinton Smout. Clinton is from Smart Adventures in Ontario, Canada. Clinton, it is great to have you back on the show. Hi, Jim. Great to be here. You don't do any of the, the winter riding with, with studs in your tires? I used to a lot, but since we have a snowmobile business, um, I don't usually have to or 
or want to. I'm, I want to come home when I'm done work. <laughs> okay, well, well, let's talk about um, getting on and off the bike. And it does seem like one of those simple things, doesn't it? It seems like you could easily discount this and, you know, people could laugh and say, wow, getting on and off the bike, that's easy. But I mean, you probably have your own story of getting on or off your bike. Oh my goodness, lots of them. Uh, I didn't get any real physical height till about grade 11. And when I was really young, I bought all the bikes I bought were way too tall for me. So my first bike, my father lined our driveway with the logs that were left over from the railway tracks. So I think he borrowed them from them with the intent to put those back. They were the old ones. And uh, so I would kind of line up my landing spot as I came up the driveway, our gravel driveway. And sometimes I would miss and crash because I was nowhere near hitting the ground. And even more recently, I bought a bike probably six years ago. And it was a very, very tall BMW. It's called the HP2. It's kind of a very lightweight 1200, um, mostly made for pretty aggressive off-road. The gentleman I bought it off was about 280 pounds. I was about 160. So the suspension that he had on it was off a dump truck, I think. It was just really (laughs) stiff. And I was barely tippy-toed with one foot riding this thing. So I, before I had the suspension done, I actually fell off it when I tried to stop <laughs> a couple times. Because if you're on uneven ground, as sometimes we are on adventure bikes, it can be a long way down for your foot. Ooh, yeah. So it's quite embarrassing to have the chief instructor picking up his bike. Well, I think that's worse when it's you. <laughs> in, yes. in your position, it's worse <laughs> than when it happens yeah. to me. When it happens to me, I just say, well, I just lack skill. But with you, yeah. they, they just expect a higher bar. Exactly. I'm wondering if they're thinking, I wonder if there's a refund available. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, for for an overview on this topic, getting on and off your bike, regardless of where you stop, the surface, the angle, are are there some parameters there that you um, that you can describe that are sort of similar throughout all the different scenarios that we're going to talk about? I mean, is, is it about balance and planning? Yeah, definitely planning. Your balance helps. Uh, new or old riders are susceptible to fall off a motorcycle when parking or starting off. And what sometimes throws us is our leg length, like people that are six foot four, will probably experience less trouble than somebody five, six, five, seven getting on a big adventure bike, unless you've had the seat lowered or some suspension lowering it can be quite challenging because they're big, heavy motorcycles. And when we're just getting used to it, that's when we're the most susceptible. Mm. So I think, you know, the leg length, the seat of the bike, your motorcycle's weight, you know, a tall off-road 250 isn't as daunting as a 1200 because when the weight starts to get out of balance to the left or right, it's a lot harder to stop that momentum with a big heavy bike. It's going over. Just get your leg out of the way is what we tell people. And don't try to hold it up. If it gets past the point where you can kind of lock your knee and plant your foot 
and hold the falling bike, then just get your leg out of the way. Uh, for many reasons. One, you're just going to get trapped underneath it. And secondly, you could strain a groin muscle or wreck your knee, twist an ankle, trying to hold up a bike that's going down. Mm. Now, to start off, is there a common procedure, though, no matter what the situation is? You know, that's what I was saying about planning or, or balance. Is, is there a, some sort of thought process that you would apply to every one of them, though? Yeah, what we recommend for even a brand new rider, we would park the bike they're going to use on the side stand with the bars turned full lock to the left. Most of us, I think, do that when we get off our bike. And the steering lock is set up to work that way. And if you imagine your motorcycle tire is tapered, so its tallest position with the most height is when your bars are pointing straight down the road. Then the tallest part of the bottom of the tire is putting the seat height tallest. When you're leaned over to the right or left, and let's talk about the left because 99% of our side stands are on the left. The only exception would be trials bikes are often on the right. Anyway, you've got it leaned over. The front tire is now kind of on the sidewall which is a shorter part of the tire than the center. Does that make sense? Yeah, yep. So if you park your bike and put it to full lock, the seat height getting on is less than if the bars are straight. So that can help us when we want to get on. Let's say you get on and leave the side stand down. That's what we teach. Once you're on the bike comfortable, then you straighten the handlebars to the right from the full lock left position as you're pushing the bike upward. And it's much, much easier. The handlebar movement in the tire actually helps you stand the bike up. Okay. You said full lock left position. You mean full lock right position? No. Turning the bar uh, at rest when we're leaving our bike overnight or to go get a coffee. Yeah. I always park side stand fully kicked out because I did that in high school. Got off my bike, put the stand down, walked away, heard a crash, and my bike was on the ground. I didn't envelop the stand all the way out. <laughs> but if we leave our bike with it, the front tire pointing all the way to the left, it's on the sidewall. So once you're on the bike... Don't move your handlebars until you're ready to push up with your left foot on the ground. Then turn your bars and the movement of the tire and handlebars helps you stand the bike up. Okay, now, now I, the, the one question I have that, that I want to address is, why left? Why do all of our bikes have the side stand on the left? Why do we get on from the left? Well, that's a good question. The only people that don't, in my experience, uh, police officers, uh, certainly in North America, where traffic is going to be going by you on your left, a police officer will never mount or dismount from the left side. They generally get off on the brake side, the right-hand side of the bike. Otherwise, they're getting on or getting off into traffic if they're parked on the side of the road. But for the most of, most of us, it's easier to get on from the lowest side of the bike. And manufacturers have traditionally put uh, 
the side stand on the left. From what I understand, it comes from way back with riding horses. Yes. With swords. Exactly. Because if you were right-handed, you were okay. If you were left-handed, you were some kind of a witch (laughs) in medieval times, for instance. Mm -hmm. So if a knight or anyone carrying a large sword, you would be right-handed. So if you got on your horse from the right-hand side, you would cut the flanks of the horse with your sword. Right, because your sword's on the left side. Yeah, well, the the sharp part of the sword is sticking out the left Mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. So if you got on from the right side of your horse, your sword is going to stick your horse. They're not going to like that. So you have to get on from the left if you've got a sword in the scabbard with the sharp end sticking out. If it's just in your belt or something. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't ride with my sword anymore. No, me either. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just too dangerous. Uh, okay, so to, to start off, I think we may as well start off with the easiest one right out of the gate. On the street. A, la, a flat level surface, say a parking lot. We're going to use the left-hand side. Uh, I guess we could use either side, couldn't we? Yeah, um, but it is easier to get on from the left because the angle of the seat is lower. So... Um, your foot doesn't have to go as high initially. It has to kind of rise up to get over the highest part of the seat, but you're more likely to scuff the seat if you get on from the right. Mm. Okay, and so what's our procedure for this? Well, depending on the people that struggle with this might not have legs as long as mine. I'm six feet tall and I buy jeans and a 34 inch inseam. So most of the bikes I own, I have no trouble getting on. But as I age or after a long day's riding, my motorcycle seems to get taller and I'm more likely to kick the seat or the cargo or sometimes the passenger if they haven't gotten off when I get back on. So a trick that we teach, if you've got a a modern motorcycle with a strong side stand and you're on good firm pavement or you've got a rock under it in the gravel, an easier way to get on is to think of, you were talking about knights with swords, royalty would have a box that some page would bring out. They stand on the box, which made it very, very easy to mount up on their tall horse. Because the ruler wouldn't be riding a little pony. They always had the tall supreme horses. Sure. So imagine your kickstand is on the ground. Your left foot peg is kind of a little box that'll help you get on your motorcycle. So I would grasp the handlebars with both hands. The bars are turned full lock to the left. Then I place my left foot on the left peg and pull myself straight up in the air, kicking my right foot up and over the seat, and then sit down. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, is, are there any bikes that you would advise against this? Like, how do you know if your side stands strong? Well, um, notoriously in some models, for instance, I had a 1981 BMW R100 CS fantastic bike, real character. You know, you wouldn't win any quarter mile drags with it, but it was incredibly durable. 
a very fun bike to ride. I loved it. I regret selling it. And I've, I've always looked for one for sale since, but I've never found one. The one Achilles heel in that bike was the side stand and center stands were hollow and they weren't that strong. So this methodology of getting on, or one we'll discuss later, I think, for center stand use, uh, be very careful with that vintage of old bike because they were notoriously known for braking. Okay, so however you do it, make sure you've got a strong side stand, obviously, for that one, because you're putting a lot of weight exactly. on the side stand. But you can also be careful how you get on this. I mean, if you hang your butt way out as you're getting on the, the bike, obviously, you're putting a lot more weight on the side stand. Whereas if you lean over the bike as you're doing it, you're going to sort of put more of that weight into suspension and not as much onto the stand as you're doing that. That, that would work, wouldn't it? Very good point. Yeah, I was going to bring that up when your passenger's getting on. They should stand extremely close. Well, well, hang on a second, because that's just what I was going to ask you next. Let, let's talk about a pillion. Okay. Now, now when yeah. we're talking about a pillion, because you mentioned that when you were talking there about kicking your pillion, should a pillion get on first? Do they get on second? Do they get off first? Do they get off last? How does this work? Yeah, my wife and I, if she's the passenger, I get on first and my butt's on the seat I'll leave the side stand down, but my feet are firmly planted and I put the front brake on. Feet, and then two I say, feet, you're saying, both feet. Yes, two feet on the ground. Right. And then I've left the side stand down just in case something goes wrong. It's usually going to go wrong if your passenger is not that experienced and they're standing further away from the motorcycle when they try to pull up themselves up onto it. So that's sort of so like they, I, was, I was describing is like your exactly. butt's hanging out, right? Yeah. And that's going to pull the bike over. I've seen that happen many times. Mm. So they should stand fairly close to the bike as long as they're not interacting with a hot exhaust pipe. Put their left foot on the left passenger peg. Their left hand is on your shoulder, so between your neck and the bottom of your helmet, and they grip there. Their right hand could be on the, if you have a backrest or a top box, and with standing close to the bike, when they stand up, putting all their weight on their left foot, they're not pulling the motorcycle and the, and the rider to the left. All the weight should, their weight should be going down on the suspension as you mentioned. Mm. Then they swing their leg through the space between the rider and the top box or backrest. Or if there's, it's kind of a naked seat at the back, there's nothing behind the seat, they could swing their leg around their right leg, sit their butt on the saddle, both feet on the pegs, they're ready to go. Now, as the rider, should you lean forward at all to give them more room as they're doing this? Yes. Great tip. I didn't mention that. I think that's really smart. Yeah. It just gives a little bit more room, makes it less uh, cumbersome because especially when you have your helmets on, you've got two enlarged heads there and it's easy to, to bump your heads together and throw off the whole process. Yes. Um, I, I know I want to make it as easy and as comfortable for the pillion as possible when they're getting on because I think it's really brave to be a pillion. Oh, is it ever? Uh, it's not my favorite place to be on a motorcycle. So I'm no, back with somebody. <laughs> Me neither. But but okay. So um, that's getting on on a flat surface in a parking lot with a pillion, without a pillion. Now let's get into some of the fun stuff. Some of those times when we find ourselves in unnerving situations where balance is an issue, particularly because of the terrain. So yes. what do you think is the most um, difficult scenario that we end up dealing with, that the average rider would end up dealing with? 
It's when your bike is fairly tall and you're in that uneven terrain, maybe a little bit of a slope angle. Oh, so you're not talking anything extreme here, because I, I thought you were going to get right into saying, oh, well, if you know you stop on an uphill or you stop on a downhill or something, but, yeah. but you're just saying a tall bike and uneven terrain, that is enough to Absolutely. cause us problems, right? Yeah, just with tippy toes. Um, I'm thinking of a great guy that I toured with in the Yukon. I was the sweep rider, and he was a very, very calculated rider, very methodical in putting his riding gear on. And he actually, it was cold, so he had three pairs of gloves some cloth white gloves, then these big heavy leather mitts. And the third pair were these red lobster hand things with no dexterity, kind of, I would see him swatting at turn signals and things. <laughs> anyway, he was tippy-toed on a Husqvarna 700 on pavement. So the odd time in gravel, which there's a lot of in the Yukon, he struggled getting the kickstand back up. He would mount the way I suggested he did it. And then he's sitting on the bike and he's got a lot of riding gear on because it's cold. And he's got his electric vest plugged in. And as he tried to lean the bike onto his right toe to afford him the opportunity to kick the kickstand up, the bike often fell. And he'd be turtled, stuck underneath it. <laughs> so I'd have to get off my bike, unplug my vest from the battery and run over and lift the bike up enough so he could crawl out. And then I would hold the bike so he could just get on and take off with the side stand up. Oh. So there was no way it would happen a second time. But we got quite good at this maneuver because it happened a lot. Well, now this can happen with a bike with a very soft suspension, which that bike probably has fairly soft suspension, um, like as, a, as in a high quality one. So you get in, it compresses yes. some. And, and, and if you were very heavy on your bike and your bike wasn't properly set up for you, because if it is, you shouldn't be sinking down that far. Um, but there's, there's other instances that, that can be a difficult one because what happens is you, you get on the bike, in particular, if you're um, vertically challenged, and then you have to tilt it away from the, the side stand to get the side stand up. And you have to tilt it so far, obviously it tips over, which is exactly what you're describing there. So what do you do for that? What's the workaround? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, what I try to do is educate people that as you're pulling into a stop, look for the best place oh, that's yeah. going to help you when you go to leave. So either a rock or a, a log you can stand on like I did as a kid, or lean it up against a tree or a building as long as you're not going to scratch or damage anything, attack with a side stand. Just lean it up, leave it in gear and lean it on something. But having, once you get it parked, I would look around and find, if you did stop in a location that affords you to stand on a rock, go get a rock and stand on it. Mm. Something that will allow you. But if it's a real problematic thing, like this gentleman I was describing probably should have had the suspension lowered <clears throat> or maybe added uh, a three quarters of an inch of enduro sole to his riding boots. So it sounds dumb, but that's the cheapest way to gain a little height. Instead of shaving the seat on your bike, having an expensive um, suspension lowering adjustment made to it, uh, if you just added a little bit to the bottom of your boots, 
then that might be all you need to gain that confidence that you're not going to tip over. Cause that's pretty scary. A big bike falling. Oh, you mean just take your roots in somewhere and, and just get, yeah. um, anybody can do that. Won't you lose, yeah. you're going to lose your tread pattern though. Does they take that off and put it in between? Well, I just had a pair of trials boots, um, kind of reshod, uh, the local shoe guy in Barrie has been there for 40 years where I live. It was $150 but he put an enduro sole on it oh, because wow. it, it's just very, very similar to the sole that came with those trials bike boots. It's quite soft, but it's got a really good tread pattern. And it's the same thickness, but they can add layers. Uh, I know lots of people that have done that. And that's all they needed for that little bit of extra height that avoids this problem we're discussing. Well, that's, that's a great tip. And, and, and this comes to planning. And, and you were saying when you ride in, you know, look for a spot that you can get off the bike comfortably without having to tip it over too far. And although that, I think uh, uh, some people may react to that thinking, well, that's kind of an embarrassing thing to do. If you think about it, that's what we do with our bikes anyway. When we pull into a spot, we always look where you're going to park for turning around. I mean, you don't go into a, a dead end spot that's pointed downhill with your front end downhill because that would just be foolish because you, you can't get your bike out without having to wrestle it back. So you're already planning this stuff. It's just another part of your thought process. Plan where you're going to stop so you can get on and off the bike a, a little bit easier. Exactly. Talking about police training again, you probably never see a police car pulled nose into a parking spot. It They'll take the time when it's not an emergency to back it in so it's pointing out. So if they get a radio call and they have to put their coffee down or whatever, they can just drive out. And that's what I try to do even in paved parking lots with painted parking space. I'll pull in very close to the curb and then a quick angle out so my bike is pointing out. I hate parking with the front wheel in because then I've got to back it out. I've either got to get off the bike and physically back it up or duck walk it backwards with my feet on the ground. And with a big, heavy adventure bike, that's quite challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're better off to do a little U-turn as you go into the yeah. parking spot if you can swing it around. Now, now, the same thing, I do this with, with driving vehicles. I always back into your parking spot because the advantage is, is when you pull up, you can see the spots clear and then you put your vehicle in reverse and, and check your mirrors and back in. Whereas when you come out, if it's nose in, by the time you get in your vehicle and start it, you have no idea what's behind your vehicle anymore. Yeah, things have changed. Yeah, things have changed, no, exactly. Great so, tip. Now, I was going to ask you, now, if you're really concerned that no matter what, when I get on this bike, I won't be able to get this kickstand up. Is there, can we use a, a, like a bar lock mount to get on then without the kickstand? Yeah. Um, another, well, we'll talk about that probably at the end, the John Wayne start, but some people will put their side stand up and then get on and ride away that way. Mm. It, it's a separate maneuver, but often I'll leave the side stand down, get on. And then as I turn the bars if I've got good footing with my right foot, I can shift the weight of myself and the bike to the right toe as I kick the side stand up. Mm -hmm. But what about um, what about the type of, uh, of method where you put the side stand up, you, you lock your bars fully to the right, and you use your left leg sort of as the tripod that your side stand would be, and then swing your leg over? What about that method? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. If you've got the leg length and the kind of associative seat height that you can do that, that works great as well. 
you'll see a lot of motocross riders get on that way because they don't have a side stand. Right. And by having the bars locked all the way to the right, yes. that stabilizes you. It gives you something to hold on to. You're holding the front brake on. You've got the bars locked. Your, your left leg uh, solidly planted and you're leaning forward and swinging your leg over. And then you're, you're on. You're ready to go. Exactly. Okay. So um, what now? Uh, I guess, let's, let's just look at the scenarios sort of, I guess, one by one. Can we yeah. start with um, uphill? Yes. That's, <laughs> if, if it's a really steep uphill... Um, what I'll do is angle my front wheel just before I come to a stop a little bit to the left because that allows my side stand to be a little bit downhill. Okay, so let me just throw in there again, planning, right? As, as you're coming yes. up, it's planning. Yes. If you don't, then if the front wheel is that much higher than the rear wheel, the angle might be not good enough to have it properly balanced over on the left side, on the left side stand. So you're decreasing the, the steepness of the hill a little bit by doing that. Yes. And then when I, uh, it's depending on the terrain, you may not be able to simply move off once the front wheel is much higher than the rear and go uphill. Really depends on the situation. But Maybe you're parked in San Francisco. It's really steep hill. The parking space that you need is on a hill. Then I would leave it in gear if I'm dismounting and leaving the bike because it might roll backwards if there's enough angle. So if I've shut it off, I would leave it in gear because we don't really have parking brakes on most of our bikes unless it's an automatic, like a DCT Africa Twin has a parking brake for that reason. Once the engine shut off, it's essentially in neutral. Oh, and it, right, yeah. It'll roll down a hill or move around in a vehicle if it's not strapped properly. But the the tip for getting on and off on the on the uphill is to put it on a bit of an angle to the left. Uh, Absolutely. As you the okay. Yes, when you're stopping, angle it to the left, and that makes it easier to get back on and take off. Right. And we, and we did an episode before on uphill starts. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that episode as well. Yes. So that if someone is interested in learning about that, because that's a whole other topic, isn't it? I mean, you, yeah. You, I think you talked a long time about that. And there was a lot of great information in that. So I'll put that link in the show notes. Perfect. We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you about a couple of things. But when we come back, Clinton's got even more. Stay with us. You know, we all spend a lot of time thinking about what bags or what panniers we want for our motorcycle. Now, if you're looking at bags, have a look at Giant Loop. Giant Loop's motto is go light, go far, go fast. And, and here's what's really unique about Giant Loop is their approach of the of their designs and what they make. They make purpose-built products designed to enhance your riding experience. They eliminate the extra buckles and straps and which those extra buckles and straps often they just get in the way. They just end up flopping around. So they design lightweight products that are purposeful, reliable, and above all, extremely tough. Designed for anybody who rides a dual sport, even a dirt bike, riding up to an adventure bike. They've got a, a modular luggage system that, that can fit on any motorcycle and you don't need a rack either. That, that's one important thing. If your, your bike doesn't have a rack, maybe it, it can't even take a rack, you can still get Giant Loop products to fit on your bike and they stay put. Anyway, their website is giantloopmoto.com and you can buy their gear any, at any dealer that sells quality gear or through Giant Loop themselves. Giantloopmoto.com is their website and be sure to throw in there you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. 
So if your style of riding is, is maybe a lot of paved roads with the odd dirt road thrown in, maybe some rough stuff out every now and then, you probably want comfort first. But when you do hit the dirt, you still want that added extra leverage that only a, a well-designed foot peg will give you to help control your bike. Now, the ADV-1 and the ADV-2 foot pegs are large platform foot pegs made by IMS products. Now, IMS has been making parts since 1976. That's when they started. And ever since then, they've been owned and run by off-road racers and enthusiasts. And, and part of the, the massive success of IMS is that they rely on their employees' experience of riding, building, and racing dirt bikes, ATVs, all kinds of vehicles to develop the products that they make. So when they set out to design their, their full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, including these ADV-1s and ADV-2s, they had a massive knowledge base to draw from. And then subsequent testing as well, all in-house, which explains why, why their products are so good. It was such high quality. Now, the ADV-1 and ADV-2 are an extra large platform that will give you incredible leverage in the dirt when you need it to maneuver the heavy adventure bike, but really, really comfortable on the highway. Have a look at what they've got. It's imsproducts.com. And anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. imsproducts.com. So I'm um, downhill now. Yes. A little scarier. If you do have to, if you're off-road on a big heavy bike and you do have to stop, you've got to be very careful that it doesn't roll off the side stand if again you've left it in neutral so you've got to leave it in first gear because gravity is going to fold up the side stand and your bike it's not going to go very far because <laughs> it's just going to fall over mm -hmm. but then you have to pick it up so when stopping downhill you've got to leave the motorcycle in gear if you're parting company with it okay so what would the procedure be for that well as we're coming down the hill your weight is back uh, use both brakes very carefully with the rear brake because it's the most likely to lock up. So very gradual, gentle, progressive use of the front brake. So once you've got the bike stopped, you want to carefully lean it over to the left, turn the bars full lock to the left, and the position of the front wheel to the left, that wedge position actually will help stop the bike from rolling a little bit. Then, I've, if I've left it in gear, with 99% of motorcycles these days, as I kick the side stand out, that kills my engine, which is great mm -hmm. if that's what I wanted to achieve. Then just shut your key off and then gently lean the bike over because maybe your tire is in the tire track that's been established by other riders. But one foot away from that tire track is where your side stand's gonna come in contact with the ground. Maybe it's very soft there and it keeps on going. If it sinks over enough, you're gonna fall, which is not good. Right. <laughs> that's what we're avoiding. That's the whole point of what we're doing, right? <laughs> yes. And then when you wanna take off again, there's a lot of inertia and gravity pushing you down the hill already. So the front brake, you have to have it on. Leave it in gear. However you do get on the bike, when you think you're ready to go, you can't start it until the side stands up unless you put it in neutral. 
But once you're ready to go, just be very careful of standing the bike up abruptly because of that extra angle that the front tire is lower than the front. It's just a little uh, scarier to hold on to the bike. You have to be very careful and do it slowly. Uh, a jerky upright and it may fall to the right because there's a big angle from front tire to rear. Do you recommend always putting the front brake on as you're getting on and off? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I hold and it just stabilizes the bike a little. It's not going to move around on you. But if it's in neutral and you pick it up off the stand without the front brake, it's going to get exciting pretty quick <laughs> on a downhill. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind. So, okay, what about side hills? That's if you, let's say it, we call them a cambered slope and you did have to stop. Um, if it's a very steep hill and you're crossing from the right to the left across the face. So your right foot and brake is kind of on the uphill side. It's not really that possible to put the side stand down efficiently and park the bike because it's just going to fall over to the left down the slope of the hill. So what I've done many, many times, I usually put engine guards on every bike I have that I'm going to ride off-road. If it's steep, I'll simply leave it in gear, shut it off, leave all the kickstands up, and I gently lean the bike into the hill onto the engine guard. And that way, um, the bike will stay there. Now, if it's not that steep, you can still use the side stand, but you're gonna have to plan and angle the bike in such a manner that it isn't gonna be too acute an angle when you do move it to the left to put the side stand down. So that might require pointing it uphill a little, the front wheel higher up the hills in the rear. So when you lean it over, it's still not going to cause the bike to fall. Mm. So again, planning as you're coming up, look at your hill and think yes. about it and then use that same tip that you gave before, angle it on the hill to change the angle uh, that the bike is going to be on. Now, when you're laying it down or when you're talking about getting on here with a hill, as, as in particular, if it's very steep, but even if it's not all that steep, it would make more sense in my mind to get on from the uphill side. You have the yes, advantage. Yes, absolutely. That's the exception that I forgot to mention earlier. If you're on the side of a hill, you never want to get on from the downhill side and pull the bike towards you because mm -hmm. it could be on top of you. And it's side hill and uphill where I see a lot of people have parking troubles. Uh, we recommend let your friend go first. And when they've crested the hill, then you go up. But many, many riders don't do that. They're following a couple bike lengths behind. The person who's in front of them struggles, gets stuck, falls off, whatever. It's a narrow trail. What are you going to do? You have to stop. And you're just making it far more difficult to try to stop on any kind of a side hill or uphill or downhill. Be patient. Let the other person go in front of you and watch their success or lack of success carefully. See which line they've picked. Uh, maybe they went up an area. Um, if you're watching the Dakar that's on right now, very few riders will follow the tire track across dunes, uphill or downhill, as the rider right in front of them. 
part of it's to avoid the roost, but they, they pick their own line. And that's important if you can do that. But the main thing is be patient and don't follow somebody else up or down a hill because you may have to use these methods that we're discussing of parking. Roost is the spray from the rear tire, the, the tire. In yes, front of you. Right. exactly. Right. So w- what you're saying is with side hill, avoid it if you can. Yeah, if you can. Yeah. Um, it's great just to go from A to B, but you don't want to stop in between. So it has to be clear in front of you. Now, if you're, you lose traction, the rear wheel slides out towards, it's always going to slide towards the downhill simply lean the bike over to the right, never to the left. And that's easier to pick up. It's not going to crash on top of you. Uh, And that's, I've done that many times, just lean the bike over, put my right foot down higher than the bike and get off. And when I go to go again, it's get on from the high side, step across the bike with the handlebar, stand it up and away you go. You mentioned uh, putting on engine guards. and You've mentioned that several times before that you put them on all your bikes. When you say engine guard, what are you talking about? Well, some people call them crash guards. But um, on the bikes I ride, they, uh, the engine case, whether it's the clutch cover side or the magneto side on the left, it's susceptible if you land on sharp rocks. Or on a street bike, you lose the front end on a paved corner, um, and the engine guard or the engine case is what's going to land on the ground and suffer a lot of abrasion damage or breakage. And in some older bikes, you could actually have to replace the stator, the electrical kind of heart of the engine. If you hammered that really hard on the left side on an old Honda 750 without any kind of engine protection in the way of a metal bar, that could wreck the stator. And it doesn't even break through the case, but that hard shock right on that engine case could wreck it. Oh, just the bang. Oh, that's, yes. that's interesting. Now, when you, what do you look for in engine guards? Like what, what sort of coverage are you talking about? Uh, well, there's lower ones that are going to protect the bike so the guard will hit the pavement or the ground before the engine does that's what i look for so on like a gs bmw with a head sticking out i want guards that will prevent the that very thin valve cover on the end of the head from smashing into the ground because that i've done jb weld repairs to fix holes in them Mm. probably a dozen times on customers BMWs who didn't have appropriate uh, engine protection. But what about one where you don't have a boxer engine, where you, where you don't have that? And really the thing that sticks out more is your shroud around your gas tank and of course your handlebars. Yeah. And so, but the, in some off-road crashes, the engine hits before the handlebar does. So I want a guard down there. Um, on the Yamahas that I have, and one Honda that I ride a lot of, I put engine guards on them. Um, hitting stumps or big rocks, even without a crash, that guard and a skid plate can prevent a lot of expense and a lot of damage. 
and I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but, but yeah. um, with, with the, the engine guard, many times they sell them in, in two different pieces. There's a lower part that protects the engine that you were just describing there. And then there's the upper part. So would you consider the lower part, the bare minimum, or do you want the whole thing protected yes. right up around the gas tank? Yeah, I think the, the whole thing is the best, but bare minimum is the engine case. What the uppers protect is the tank and the plastic around the tank that sometimes gets scuffed up in crashes. If you fall and your bars go to the left and you fall on the right, usually the rad shrouds or the plastic covers on the tank are going to get marred up, scratched up or broken. Mm which may not be the end of the world, but it will be if it ends up shoving into the rad and, and knocking it Exactly. Right, and it just diminishes the value of your bike when it's all scratched sure. up. So uh, they're not that expensive engine guards and and the upper and lowers, but they sure save a lot of costs. What I do is we just changed, but now we have the 1250 BMWs. So the 1200 crash guards wouldn't fit. So we bought all new crash guards for kind of the newer generation of bike. I just take them off uh, when the bikes go back to BMW Canada for resale. And I keep them for the next bikes coming in. Mm, oh, I see. So, okay, um, now let's talk about one that we, we've all run into, loaded. What, what changes when the bike is loaded? Well, it's harder to pick up off the side stand with the more weight that's on it. That's why we recommend the passenger gets on after you're on and seated and got the front brake on. It's not going to move around on you as much. But if you've got uh, what a lot of us travel on adventure bikes with a top case, uh, the way I like, I don't like top cases myself, but I'll have my tent and I usually put the sleeping bag very close to where my back is going to rest because it's nice and soft and I'm old. I like soft. And uh, that extra weight is harder to get on by swinging your leg all the way around over the brake light to get on. So many of us, and you'll see them at every adventure bike rally, they stand a few feet away from the bike their right leg comes up in the air and they do that little shuffle with the left foot. The hop. <laughs> the little hop. And you can almost hear the the tendons in the leg screaming as they we try to stretch our leg up and over the seat. And we often scuff the seat with our boot heel or we kick the cargo that we're trying to carry. And that's an issue as we age. We're not quite as limber as the 23-year-old adventure rider. So a little planning, again, helps. So uh, I carry in my pocket a side stand puck, something I can slide under the side stand if I'm in loose gravel or sand or whatever, just for parking. You carry that in your pocket? Yeah, in oh, my left pocket. That's a good tip. And it's yellow. And that way I'm less likely to leave it behind, but I have left a few of them. Well, because how do you and, pick it up once you're on the bike? Well, it's got a string on it. Ooh, Sorry, I didn't mention key. that. <laughs> yeah, that's and, the key. A, a little light string on it into one corner of it. And that way you put it underneath there and you have that string and you either tied onto your jacket or in your hand. Yeah. Well, and that way it's easy to pick up once I get the side stand up. Mm -hmm. But that way I can get on 
using the box that the king would get on his horse by, instead of a box, I used the side, the foot peg because it's six, seven, eight inches off the ground. That's all I need to get on the bike very comfortably. But I can't do it off-road if I'm on sand or dirt and my side stand's going to sink into the ground. That's why a lot of us will buy that kind of extended little foot that envelops your the bottom of your side stand and then it's less likely to sink into top, soft terrain. Yeah, either the clamp on or even the weld on style that makes your the pad just a little bit bigger, doubles the size of it or more. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that makes it much easier to put your left foot on the left peg, leave the side stand down, and then swing up and kind of step through the seat over top of it, but you don't have to swing your leg because that's a high swing. It's great if you're a ballerina or a gymnast or something, you wouldn't even notice it. But for most mortals, <laughs> that's a stretch. It's tough to do. And, and you're talking about planning with all of this. Part of your planning can also be how you pack your bike. The higher you pack your weight up, the more difficult it's going to be to stand up once you get on the bike and it's still on the side stand. Same as having a pillion on. Exactly. And the higher the weight is of your cargo, the less stable your motorcycle is. For decades, manufacturers have tried to do mass centralization. That's what the Germans call it. So the new liquid-cooled Boxer came out, what, 2013? The engine was shorter and the weight was down lower than the previous oil and airheads. So when the weight is closest to the foot pegs, the bike will balance better because the weight is low. If you have the weight top heavy, this is why I don't like top boxes. It's a really dumb place to put a lot of weight because it's far away from the center of gravity of the middle of the bottom of the bike. So it's very unstable to have weight up really high. That's why we always recommend, you know, you haven't done a big tour and you've bought a truck full of stuff that you're going to load on your bike. Ride it around before you start your tour and get accustomed to all that weight. Mm-hmm. You use that word dumb, which I thought was really risky uh, about, the, yeah. about the top box. But the, you've got other issues with the top box as well. I mean, the fact that your your subframe can only handle so much weight. And, and the more weight you put on that, that tail of the bike, that far back, you destabilize it. You add the weight to the, the subframe all of those things, not to mention the fact you've got a big block right behind your your back. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, and aerodynamically, it's a oh, bad right. place to put things. It's many reasons I don't like them. But right. And also, when I'm riding by myself, I get on by swinging my leg over and I'll always kick that. <laughs> so I, I, I don't. I don't have one. I have one. I should probably sell it because it's never been on my bike. <laughs> now, as far as getting on, and we were talking about using, you know, lifting your leg up, and you've seen it with people with that have tank bags on and and uh, maybe a rear box, they can't get themselves into there without lifting up one leg and sort of doing that little hop over the bike as they get onto their bike. I guess some of the things you can do to is think about your packing, like we already talked about, but also I mean, think about some stretches, things like that, just to make yourself a little bit more flexible. Yeah, that's a great idea. Warm up the muscles a little bit with some light stretching and that will reduce a lot of issues at the end of the day as well. Mm -hmm. Getting on and off because it's the day after 
a hard ride that usually the muscles are screaming more than they were when you first stopped. Now, what about center stand? You know, not everybody has the center stand, but um, they, they are quite handy to have. What about getting oh, on and off using the center stand? Yeah, um, a story that I'm embarrassed to say, but I used to have a K100, an old BMW. It was an 86. Loved that bike. And I used the center stand a lot because the side stand was a little bit weak on this particular one. And it leaned over further than I liked. And I used to have this ride-off trick where I would get on the bike, center stands on, climb up on it, fire it up, put it in gear. And then as I let the clutch out, I would shift my weight forward quickly and roll off. The center stand would go up and away I'd go without putting a foot down. Now, when I was a kid, my dad used to give me a flip in the ear and say, if you show off, you're going to fall off. And of course, I didn't learn from that tip. <laughs> so doing this roll-off trick with the BMW center stand for year after year, it must have weakened it and it cracked, I guess. I never saw it washing it or whatever. So when I went to get gas once, I pulled up close to the pump threw my bike up onto the center stand, one leg broke right off because of the abuse I'd put it through. And the bike with the gas cap already unlocked crashed into the pump. So it scratched my side bag. The gas that was in the bike is pouring all over. A hot engine. And, you know, people are looking, look at that idiot. Which is worse than anything else. <laughs> yeah. So it was, be very careful doing something like that. But what a lot of people will do is it is easier if you're on a good, firm, solid footing, pavement, for instance. It's easier to get on when it's on the center stand because you can just climb up on it quite safely as long as you don't rock it too much. And then I'll put my front brake on, put both feet down or as much of them even tippy-toed and I'll rock the bike forward, momentarily releasing the front brake until the side stand folds up and then I'll Center stop stand. with the front brake. Center stand, yes, yeah. thanks Jim. Yeah. The odd time I'll make a mistake just to see if you're listening. <laughs> I appreciate well done. that. I well appreciate done. That. So <laughs> and the only thing with this is the bike actually gets taller as you as you roll it off the center stand. Yes. So it only works if you've got the leg length that allows you. But uh, I have seen, we have a couple of instructors that do it and their feet are nowhere near the ground. But as it comes off the center stand, they're able to get tippy toes down. So you've got to be pretty balanced to do that. Yeah, I do the start as well with it up on the center stand and you rock it off. You've already got it in gear and you let the clutch out and away you go. But I mean, I don't think there's anything really practical about it. No, it's kind of a show off, fall off move. It's a play yeah. around thing usually. And, uh, yes. Now you have another one that you, you mentioned briefly already that we talked about, but I know you like this one in particular, but I kind of think this one might be difficult for a lot of people. And you call yeah. it the Roy Rogers. It is. It's controversial too. I did a YouTube video on it because it's worked for myself and the people that I've taught it for. And I was so amazed of the negativity 
not swearing words, but, you know, what kind of a moron would teach that? That's incredibly dangerous, blah, blah, blah. So people can judge for themselves. But what we teach on the second day of a two-day adventure bike course, we initialize the, this method by having you ride around in first gear and stand up as you're riding. You're covering the clutch and you take your right foot off the foot peg and just hang it out in the air on the right-hand side. So all of your body weight is now on your left foot on the left peg. Stage two is swing that leg up and around so it's now pointing backwards over your brake light and the seat. Then stage three, you're just riding around, maintaining balance, just a comfortable speed in first. Swing the right leg further around to the left. So your right leg is actually now on the left side of the bike behind your left foot and left foot peg. So that's kind of the steps to get comfortable with your body being completely on the left side of the bike and only your left foot up. Then what we do is get people to sit properly, stop, and get off the bike, put it on the side stand. And it, there's some instances when the bike is very tall, you've got a lot of cargo on it, loaded, or you're on very soft terrain and you can't really get on the bike the way we talked about before, Jim, with side stand down and stepping onto the box, the king getting on the box by using the foot peg. Mm -hmm. So this method that we, we describe, and this is where it gets controversial, people think it's crazy, is I'll stand on the left-hand side of my bike, front brake is on, both hands on the bars, I'll lift up the bike without getting on and kick my side stand up. So I'm still standing two feet on the ground. Then I fire the motorcycle up, put it in first gear, holding the clutch, obviously. And then I angle my body towards the right so I can put my left foot resting on the foot peg. Then it's a matter of timing. You give it a little bit of throttle and in a very smooth clutch release, as the clutch engages and your motorcycle starts to roll away from the stop position, you simply stand up. So your right foot leaves the ground and you're in that position that you've already practiced. We've already ridden around for five minutes with the whole left side of your body, your whole body on the left side of the motorcycle. Then when you're comfortable after a few yards or meters, swing your right foot back over to the right side and sit down. This is like so a, a lot of people did this with bicycles, right? You, you know, you absolutely. sort of lean forward, you put your weight on your handlebars and, and you put your left foot on the pedal and that's how you kick off. Exactly. So I didn't think it was that hard to do. And I've never met anyone that with a bit of practice and coaching couldn't do it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That, that's what I was going to ask you. I think I, I might've asked you that before, but that's interesting yeah. to note that it, so it is doable. Now, is this like the center stand one though, or, or is there practical applications for it? Oh, the practical application where I use it is I'm really tired 
Um, in the Yukon, I have uh, an old GSA that when I bought it, I got a one of those Russell Daylong seats. It's super comfortable, but it is incredibly tall. So I'm tippy-toed on my bike when I put that seat on. So it's harder for me to lean it to the right to get my side stand up when I want to take off. So I use that all the time. Mm. And you, you mentioned before on hills too. You've had, you've had hills where you, where everything's difficult and. Yeah. I use, we call it the Roy Rogers start. Could be John Wayne, whatever you want. But a lot of people, um, their horse will start to go as soon as they put their left foot in the saddle in the stirrup. So they have to swing up onto the horse as it's moving and the right foot isn't in the other right stirrup yet. That's why we call it that. Now, anyone who's ridden much has had that experience with any sort of horse, especially if you get a horse that's really wound up, really antsy. Ooh, yeah. the, the thing is, though, the difference, the huge difference is the horse is balancing itself. <laughs> you don't have to yes. worry about that. <laughs> you can hang off and the horse is going to do everything it can to balance itself. And yeah. the motorcycle, not so much. So when you're teaching this, what's the most common thing or the most common mistake that people make? And then what's the result? Uh, well, we used to teach just started on on right from what I just described. Stand beside your bike, put your left foot on the peg, let the clutch out and take off. And it would be very wobbly or scary for people because they hadn't ridden a motorcycle with just trying to balance with their left foot on the peg and their right foot beside it. So their whole body mass is just on one side of the bike. That's why we we do it the other way that I described now. I added that to the curriculum where we get you to practice riding with one foot on the peg and the other part, other foot is behind it. If you're comfortable doing that, then standing up as you let the clutch out isn't scary at all. Now, what I was looking for here was the what can go wrong scenario. So if someone's going to go and try oh, this at yeah. home right now, what can go wrong? Well, if you lose balance, or stall. your bike falls or stalls, and then you have to jump off and try to hold the bike up. So it is a little more dangerous than a conventional start in that you're if you're not properly balanced or you drop the clutch too aggressively and it stalls, then you're probably going to fall over. Yeah, and it's probably going to go fall away from you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you'll fall on top of it. That's right. a possibility, I guess. I've never seen it, but it's certainly possible. So you certainly, there's a lot of coordination there, you know, to, yes. to do this. There is a lot of coordination. You're balancing and you're, you're easing the clutch out and you're, you're getting the bars straight. Uh, there's a lot to, and you're anticipating also the, the, what your weight will do to the bike. So you've got to sort of do it at the same time, offset your bike, lean your bike away from you as you're applying the weight to the peg. All this has to happen all in one shot. Yes. Now we also do it. And uh, one of our instructors, Amanda, I think she's five, five and rides everything with gas that we have at work. So if she's on a 1250 BMW, she can't touch the ground, like nowhere near it to take off or to stop. So stopping, um, she does it, this method in reverse. So what she'll do is swing her right foot up and around to the left side as she's standing 
And now her whole body's on the left side of the bike and she rolls in towards a stop. Now the only brake she has is the front because her right foot's on the opposite side of the bike now. So she very, very carefully rolls into the stop from a slow speed and a gradual progressive use of the front brake. And then she simply jumps off and balances the bike beside her. That's how she stops and that's how she gets on the bike to take mm. off. Yeah, I like that as well. Now, the, you know, it makes me wonder when you're talking about this, it makes me wonder if motorcycles were originally designed this way because it was the best method. Like what you're saying, when she's getting off like that, she can no longer use the rear brake as we know because nope. the rear brake's on the on your foot. Has it Was it designed that way to begin with, knowing that, you know, right from the start, that the front brake is going to be more important than the back brake, that there are going to be times where you're going to, you know what I mean? Like, is, has the bike been set yeah. up like that or have we just evolved to work around this? I think we've evolved to work around it. I've never thought about that, but mm. I'll have to. Well, so as a recap, um, what I sort of see here is, is, the, uh, is the common denominators, or, or two things keep jumping out at me, planning and balance. And some of what we're talking about here is, is you're given the different methods for getting on and off the bike. If you understand the balance of your bike, if you're used to balancing your bike, you're a lot more comfortable standing there with it off the side stand, for instance, or even pulling it up off the side stand for leaning it away from the side stand to understand because you've experimented and, and you're comfortable with where the tipping point is to your bike. How far will it go before you can no longer hold it, before you, you lose it? That's all part of that, that practice with balance. Yes. And um, that the last thing we discussed that Roy Rogers start, we would never teach that to a novice rider. They just don't have the balance confidence yet. Mm. And it's, it's always helped if someone getting into adventure riding has had lighter, smaller bikes to build up that balance experience and confidence is a big thing. Then, because it's not really mass or muscle or height, as demonstrated by Amanda that works for us, or uh, Jocelyn Snow is a famous American BMW GS rider. And I'm not sure exactly how tall Jocelyn is, but she can't touch the ground. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we had her on the show actually some time ago. Right. Fantastic rider. If you watch any of your videos, um, she throws a GS around like, I do a trials bike. It's incredible. So it's, but from years and years of riding smaller bikes, building up that practice and skill to go out and buy a huge, you know, 600 pound adventure bike and try doing some of these things, it's going to be a steeper learning curve. Mm -hmm. Are there any scenarios that we left out? Did you have any in mind that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? Well, the only thing, um, grab, sometimes people will actually ask us, can you teach me how to fall? <laughs> uh, no, gravity is going to teach you that. Um, I have done a little bit of work in kind of the movie business, renting the motorcycles. And only once, which is a very long but a good story, I was asked to be a stunt rider. <laughs> and I vowed after surviving it, only to let professionals do it. But a pro stunt rider does know how to crash. Mm. They make it look like it's just naturally happening, but they're orchestrating how they maneuver their body to absorb the impact and make it look realistic. Most of us, when we crash, we just hit the ground and you don't have a lot of time 
to go from seat height to ground height. So learning, uh, that's the only thing that we don't teach is how to fall. With the exception of if your bike is tipping over, I think I mentioned, if you can't hold it, get your foot out of the way. So we teach even little kids, kick like you're kicking a soccer ball. If the bike is tipping over, kick your foot up on the side that it's falling so it doesn't get trapped under your bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember someone had emailed not long ago talking about having a bike fall over and caught their foot and broke one of their bones in their foot, I think is what it was. And yeah, that's what you don't want. You got to get that, that foot out of there. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I think in the 70s, people fell a lot more on motorcycles because they got the bell bottoms caught in the little <laughs> peg on the foot peg or the side stand, and then you're trapped. Well, that's and why you get those little clips that go around your, your ankle, right? To stop, yeah, the, stop your plants from catching the right. chain. <laughs> exactly. But be careful of wearing adventure pants over top of your boots. It seems to make more sense because if they're stuck into your boot, the rain is going to ride in. But if they're not tight fitting, it's very easy to kind of hook the inside of your pant leg when you're getting on and off on part of the bike. Maybe it's a rad shroud or just the way the side cover is. It sticks out a little bit. And uh, that can cause you problems. Hmm. Oh, that's a good tip. So is that why they make the, the, the gauntlet, the top part of the boot, so big? It's so that your, your pants and everything's supposed to be tucked inside? Yeah, a lot of people ride with it tucked in. But um, if it's, you know, inclement weather, whatever, um, I have the outside of my pants over top of the boot. But it's usually got a zippered enclosure system so th- or buttons snap buttons so that it doesn't flap in the wind or have a big stovepipe shape pant leg that will catch on things when you're trying to mount or dismount. Okay, so now for practice exercises, I, I imagine we get out there and just try each one of these, but yeah. maybe have something different. Even in the garage, if your passenger is new to motorcycling, I'd recommend get on and off in the garage, practice um, being close to the bike so the passenger isn't pulling it over to the left if they're standing too far away from it. Get them comfortable with even getting on and off, work out some signals. Hey, I have to pee, I need a drink, whatever. So you're not screaming if you don't have intercoms at wind turbulence speeds. Things like that you can work out without the bike running in a garage. And the other practice is what gets adventure bike riders is the scenario changes when the ground is really soft or uneven on with a little bit of an incline. That's where they get fooled because their experience is putting the side stand up or down on pavement. So practice it off-road a little bit. And then take your time, be patient, and it'll really come together the more miles you do. And as far as the balance, I was going to mention, we did an episode with balance with on balance with Jimmy Lewis, and he's very much into that. And I'm going to put a link to that episode as well, because that's yes. something to, to practice. Um, it certainly goes right along with all, all the skills that we're, we're talking about. 
Exactly. Uh, I know two of my friends went to Jimmy Lewis's school and they didn't start a bike up for the first few hours. They said it was fantastic. Just learning balance and where your body is on the bike and how it affects its handling. Dramatic improvement in their riding. I'd love to take that course someday. Well, Clinton, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate having you on the show. I always enjoy sitting down and talking about this stuff with you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jim. It was a lot of fun. That was Clinton Smout from Smart Adventures in Ontario, Canada. Clinton operates from the Horseshoe Resort near Barrie, Ontario, doing motorcycle and ATV training through the summer and snowmobile training in the winter. His website is smartadventures.ca. And of course, that link will be in our show notes. Now, also, we have a, a couple other links that were put in the show notes for this episode. The first was the Uphill Starts, an episode that we did with Clinton. We have that link in there. We also have the one on balance with Jimmy Lewis. And since Clinton mentioned customers asking about falling off a motorcycle, well, we have an episode that we did with Jim Hyde from Rawhide Adventures called How to Drop Your Motorcycle, Correct Procedure for Going Down Without Getting Hurt. So all those links and more are in the show notes for this episode at AdventureRiderRadio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, GreenChiliADV.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oiler at MotoBreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at CyclePump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Hey, if you enjoyed what you heard on this episode and you can think of anyone else who may also enjoy it, we'd love it if you would share it with them. Also, Adventure Rider Radio is built on a model of mainly listener support with some ads, and that means we need you to support. Drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com, and click on support. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks, of course, to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of this. Now, I guess if you can, you got to get out there and ride your bike. Otherwise, we have a whole backlog of hundreds of shows that we've done over the years from way back to, well, 2014. There's plenty there to listen to. Thank you very much. My name's Jim Martin, and I will talk to you next week. Hi, this is Fonzie, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Hey!